You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad you're joining us for yet another episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We'd like to encourage you to come on in and stay a while, and uh, always uh, encourage you to subscribe and download. If you haven't done that, please go over to any of those podcast applications, hit that subscribe button, and those episodes will be uh, downloaded to your mobile device on a regular basis. We also want to encourage you to go over to our Facebook page, like and follow there, feel free to leave comments and connect with us there, and even share those episodes with uh, people that you know. And that leads us to our last call of action. As we always say, please, uh, if you're enjoying the Bonfire podcast, please tell someone about it. Uh, we need the word of mouth to get around and to spread in order to get uh, the ministry to go further and to reach more lives and touch more people. And so if you'll do those things for us, that would be greatly appreciated. Well, Dad, I'm excited because uh, this is our eighth and final week of Rejoice Always. Uh, and that's our study through the book of Philippians. And, you know, it's been a great study, and I personally got so much out of it. And I hope that's the same for our listeners. I hope they've really enjoyed and got a lot out of the content that we've been uh, providing here today. And, you know, I have to say, Dad, uh, this episode will actually release on Father's Day of 2021. And so we want to be sure to wish all the fathers out there a very happy Father's Day. And, Dad, happy Father's Day to you. Thank you. Um, and so we, we just want to encourage all those fathers out there to, to live for God. And if you're interested in finding some of our content for fathers, uh, I encourage you to go check out episode four. Uh, that's an episode on Christian fatherhood. It's it's hard to believe, Deb, but now that we've been around for a year, right. we've got content from last year that applies to the seasons that we're in right now. And that's so right. that was our Father's Day episode from last year. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't heard that, or even if you had, maybe go back and listen to that, uh, to that episode and hear our thoughts on what Christian fatherhood is all about. Well, as we look to close out the study of Philippians, the major theme that we're going to be uh, tackling today in chapter four is contentment. Now, I know that we all know the word contentment. Uh, we, we, we know the definition. We can use it in a sentence, but we rarely see it uh, in today's society. We, In fact, we live in a discontent world. There's always this continual push by society to have bigger houses, nicer, newer cars, uh, the latest tech, technological device. Um, it's all that material stuff, you know? It's just a continual push. There's never seems to be contentment in our world. Discontentment seems to be abound. That's right. You know, Matt, uh, I read this some time ago, and I, I think it's pretty interesting. It fits in here. In a cemetery in England stands a grave marker with this description. She died for one of things. Alongside that sign is another which reads, he died trying to give them to her. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly right. People uh, had this desire and this uh, just consuming, uh, you know, want for, for things. And this is both material things and even uh, just uh, things that are not material. Uh, it seems to be that, again, discontent seems to abound in our society today. But, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about contentment including the text um, that we're going to cover today in today's episode from Paul. So let's look at what Paul has to say about contentment. And uh, as you, as we said, we're going to be in chapter 4 here, finishing up the book of Philippians. So if you'll turn with us, if you've got your Bible, uh, turn over to chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 10, and we're going to take that through the end of uh, the chapter there. And I'm going to read this uh, for everyone. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that at least your care for me has flourished again. Through you surely did care, 
um, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned to be both full and to be hungry, both abound and to suffer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you, Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed uh, from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but the seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And may and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our Father and God be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those who are in Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And so that's our scripture for today. And as I said, you can tell there that the large theme that we're going to be tackling is contentment. And so, Dad, I thought the best place for us to start is just around a general conversation about what uh, godly contentment looks like. And as I was studying for this, um, you know, I got deep into the word and what the word means. Uh, and so the word content actually means to be contained. And uh, it's a description of a person whose resources are within them so that they do not have to depend on substitutes from outside. And the actual Greek word uh, that's used in our text today is also translated satisfied, adequate, or self-sufficient. Now, you may be thinking, how can a Christian be self-sufficient? After all, a Christian left to his own means is, is weak, powerless, and a flawed being at best. But here's the key, and don't miss this. A Christian is not sufficient in himself. He's sufficient in Christ. And because the Holy Spirit, the very presence of Christ, lives within us, we are adequate for the demands of life and satisfied regardless of the outcome. Now, you may be saying, well, that's easy. I'm a Christian, so I'm content. But nothing could be farther from the truth. Contentment is not automatic. Um, as we read the verses of 11 through 13, we see that uh, contentment actually is a, is a process, it's a phase. And we see four things here that, that Paul says about contentment. Now, the first thing he says is that it's a learned behavior. And so contentment does not come naturally, not even to Christians, but it comes supernaturally as one learns uh, that life is no longer about me living, but Christ living in and through me. Not only that, uh, but God is going to put you through some stuff, some tough stuff in life. And through those trials and through those storms, we learn that God is faithful. With each passing trial, we learn that God has it and he is in control. We'll talk about this more in a few minutes. The second thing Paul says is it's not dependent on our circumstances. Dad, I heard it said that a Christian asked another a Christian how he was getting along. Dolefully, he said he replied, oh, fairly well under the circumstances. The other exclaimed, I'm sorry um, that you were under the circumstances. The Lord would have us living above all circumstances where he himself can satisfy our hearts and meet our every need from time 
and eternity. And you know, Dad, I, I thought about that statement because I've been guilty of saying that so many times. Someone comes up to you and says, how you doing? And I say, well, I'm doing pretty good considering, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and really, that's a bad attitude to have. Uh, right. If we take the attitude that Paul has, we're to be content and to be satisfied regardless of those circumstances. That's right. That's exactly right. And, you know, you said that Paul learned contentment. Contentment wasn't something zapped into his heart as soon as he became a Christian. He learned that Christ was enough through his, as you said, his experiences. Paul, he knew hardship. Over in 1 Corinthians 4, 11 and 12, he said, Up to the present hour, we're both hungry and thirsty. We're poorly clothed, roughly treated, homeless. We labor, working with our own hands. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 4 and 5, he said, By great endurance, by affliction, by hardship, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonment, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger. So he knew hardship, but he also knew abundance too. Mm. Uh, He knew what it was like to be hosted by the wealthy Lydia in Philippi. Surely he had some wonderful dinners and some wealthy Christian friends in Ephesus and Corinth. So he he experienced both hardship. He experienced uh, he experienced not only hardship but uh, abundance. But in all those things, whether he was in hardship or abundance, he was content because his contentment wasn't found in himself. That's exactly right. The other thing that Paul says there, uh, number three, is that it's a state of being, not doing. Uh, Notice we are to be content. Um, And so uh, being content um, and and not doing means that sometimes you just got to be still. You know, uh, we want to be busy and doing things all the time, but sometimes part of being content is just sitting right where you are and not have to worry about doing anything else, but just allowing where you are to be sufficient. And then the fourth thing he says that it's based in the riches of Christ. Uh, based in the riches of Christ. And so, yes, dear listener, contentment is not automatic, but rather it's a choice. And it's a choice that is cultivated by continually resisting discontent, the discontented spirit of the age. Uh, it's not a happenstance. Now, I know what a lot of you are out there are thinking. You're saying to yourself, well, I hear what you're saying. I, I know that I'm supposed to be content, but life is hard. And I've been through some things, and I'm I'm going through some things right now, and I don't see how I could be content in the middle of these circumstances. You know, if that's you, let me say I understand completely. And if I'm being uh, perfectly and completely honest with you, I've said some of those same sayings uh, this week. So, you know, Dad, I've learned as we cover uh, content here in the podcast, sometimes it isn't for our audience. Sometimes what we're covering is really meant for you and me. That's right. And uh, this one's really spoke to me this week because I've struggled with contentment this very week. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you, if you're struggling uh, with contentment like I've been, Uh, in your current circumstances. Come with us and let's look at what Paul says about it. It will help you because I I know it'll help you because it's helped me as I've studied through this. Paul shares uh, that when we struggle with contentment, that there are three wonderful spiritual resources that make us adequate for the demands of life and give us contentment. And so we want to walk through those with you today. And again, this is this is going to hopefully bless your heart because it sure has mine this week. The first thing that Paul tells us that 
uh, we have available to us and that we need to keep in mind when we're having trouble being content in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our storms, is the providence of God. I want us to look at verse 10. So we look at verse 10. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care but you lack the opportunity. You know, Paul rejoices in the Lord. We've talked about that word rejoice. It's in our title of our, our a series that we're doing here, Dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but he rejoices in the Lord because he knew that uh, the help from the church at Philippi was God orchestrated. Right. You know, this was just the time when Paul was probably at his most need. He's imprisoned in Rome. He's in this uh, foreign land. Um, he's uh, in the, under house arrest, and he's getting ready to go before Caesar. And as we've covered in the podcast, there was a good chance that this was not going to go well for Paul. Mm-hmm. Right. And so of all the times that all the situations Paul been in, this is one of those times where he needed some encouragement. He needed some help. And what, you know, right on time, here comes some encouragement and some help from the, the church at Philippi. And so, you know, Paul trusted in God and, and he knew that this was a God ordained. It was a God thing that their help came and the opportunity arose for the church, uh, the church's care to flourish right at the time when Paul needed it. That's right. You know, it's easy for us to fall in the, the mindset that, that the happenings of this world are just circumstances devoid of any action or interruption from God. Mm-hmm. But that's clearly not the case. The Word of God teaches that the providential workings of God in nature and His people are happening all the time, right. all around us. Mm-hmm. And this this word providence, Dad, comes from the, the Latin word. It's, it's two Latin words, pro meaning before and video meaning seeing. So the word providence means God sees it beforehand. And that doesn't mean that he just sees it beforehand. It means he's actively working uh, in advance, arranging the circumstances and the situations for the fulfilling of his purpose. Romans 8, 28, God works together all things, you know, all things he works together for our good, for his glory. And why does he do that? He's working all of those things that together to help us to grow and to mature and to be like Jesus. He's not just working things. He's not working things uh, together so we can have a Cadillac, but so that we'd have our needs met, just That's like right. with Paul. That's exactly right. And so, Dad, when I think about the providence of God, I think about the Old Testament. And the reason why I think about the Old Testament, because if you read through the Old Testament, you begin to see over, you know, that book uh, um, is a compilation of a thousand years worth of history um, or thousands of years of history. And you can see as you move from book to book, chapter to chapter, how God was just moving pieces around Mm -hmm. and he was putting things in order and he was getting everything lined up for the arrival of Jesus. Right. And and I just find it amazing that you can see that. I want you to consider just a few. We have uh, folks like Noah. Think about Noah's circumstances. Think about how God was orchestrating and working in Noah, telling him to build this ark because they knew a flood was coming right. that was going to destroy the earth, but Noah's family was going to be safe. It had never rained before. It had never rained before. That's right. It had never rained before. Abraham and Isaac. Mm-hmm. Think about Abraham. He's told to pack up his tents and go to a land that he's never lived in before. And, uh, you know, he longed for a son, ultimately was, was given a son, Isaac. He had some, some turns along the way getting there. But then after Isaac gets there, God says, take Isaac and sacrifice him. But then God provided a way. God was moving all these pieces and parts. Joseph. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. 
and ended up uh, going uh, in, into Egypt. And he went through a couple different uh, areas, ended up in prison, and and ultimately came out and was part of the the king's uh, court. And he was the, one of the main officials of the time because he was able to interpret dreams. And wouldn't you know, he was in that position at just the time when there was a famine uh, that was over the children of Israel, and they were about to starve to death. But his brothers were able to come over to Egypt, and wouldn't they know? They figured out, hey, that's our brother, the brother that we sold into slavery, something that we meant for evil, God's using for good. Right. And they were saved from that. Moses and the children of Israel. My goodness, God was working and moving there. Dad, these, these next two, I, I love these, and I think the providential uh, workings of God here are evident. I think about Rahab. So Rahab, this is a, a, a prostitute. Mm-hmm. All right, This is a prostitute who, who's not a Jew. Right. Okay, she's a Gentile. She's someone outside the the children of Israel, and she's going about her daily business, running a brothel. Two spies from the children of Israel come to her house. She decides to protect them and hide them, and ask for protection because she believed that their God, the God of Israel, the one true God, was in control of everything, and she knew that she needed to be on that side. Right. And so they gave her a red cord. She put it in her window. And then when the the city was destroyed, her family was saved because they had that red cord hanging in the window. What's interesting, though, is that's the first example we have of a Gentile joining the the, the family. That's mm-hmm. the, that's us. That's a picture of us. Right. You know, us as Gentiles, non-Jewish, joining the family of God. And she ultimately came in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. That's, exactly that's amazing. Right. That is amazing. I think about Ruth. Ruth's another one where the, the providence of God is at play. Ruth, you know, uh, is part of a family. Her family uh, moves over. They're they're non uh, well. She is a non Jewish uh, person. Her her husband and her father in law and her mother in law they're Jewish. They move to a land where they're not supposed to. Ultimately, her husband and her father in law die. So it's just her, her sister in law, and her mother in law. And her her mother in law says, "You know what? You you two girls, you go back to your your parents' house. You you try to wed because I'm a widow with no male to take care of me." And, and Ruth says, you know what? No, I'm going to stick by your side. That's where we get those famous verses. You know, your people are going to be my people. Mm-hmm. Your God's going to be my God. Right. And so uh, Ruth goes with Naomi back to the, the land of, of Israel, uh, to the children of Israel. And wouldn't you know that uh, Ruth's out there. She's collecting barley. She's a peasant picking up scraps off the road. And she runs into a guy named Boaz. Boaz happens to be just this rich guy that owns a bunch of land, but he's a relative of Naomi. Mm-hmm. And he was able to, through the, the story, which I'm, I'm, I'm condensing here, he was able to reconcile and redeem that family. And ultimately, Ruth marries Boaz. And what you know that Ruth also becomes in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. That's right. And so when you see that happening, you see God just taking puzzle pieces and he's moving them and he's putting them together. And for us as individual people, when we're living here in this world, we look around at our circumstances and our situation and then we say, I have no clue what's going on. I can't understand how God's using this, but we need to be relying on the fact that God's providence is at play at all times. And even in the midst of what seems to be the worst possible thing that could be happening to us or the worst possible situation, God's moving pieces. He's putting them in place. And if he, he's saying to us, if you could only see what I see mm-hmm. from my perspective up here in glory, I'm, I'm, I'm moving it. I've got it. Don't you worry. You just you be content where you are. Mm-hmm. You listen, you trust, you obey, you have faith, and it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants us to do. That's hard. It, that's it's, right. it's really hard to do, but that's what we're called to do. Dad, I, I saw this. It says, life is not a series of accidents. It's a series of appointments. And I added my own ending to it. And God is the scheduler. 
That's right. <laughs> He's the scheduler. He's the secretary. He's the one that filled out your appointments for this week and made your schedule for this week. There's nothing that's going to come to you this week or came to you last week or last year that God hasn't put in place to happen in your life. And I know for some of you that may be hard to believe because you're stuck in this human mindset that we're just living here in this world and God's some you know uh, far-off deity that's not involved. But nothing could be further from the truth. His hand is in every single thing that's happening uh, here in this, this world. And so, dear Christian, God is in control. He's working even in the midst of the toughest circumstances. And it's the providence of God uh, that we should be reminded of, and it should be a wonderful source of contentment for us. That's right. You know, you had mentioned about how the providence simply means that God sees to it beforehand. And there's some practical illustrations even coming from our lives here at this church. And you mentioned a couple of them to me a while ago. I, I've got another one or two to add. Tell me, uh, remind, remind me what you said. Yeah, so uh, we were talking about uh, how God works together and puts things together and he provides everything that we need, which we're going to talk about provision of God just in, in a second here. But two examples that came to my mind is uh, at, at our church here, we started an upward soccer ministry. Uh, I guess it's been, what, 18 years ago, something like that? Yeah. Um, and and uh, we have uh, blessed to have a, a large uh, plot of acreage adjacent to our church here. And uh, basically what, what was probably the remnant of an old peach uh, field um, because this area was big for agriculture. But we were able to uh, turn that uh, land uh, to go in and grade it and cultivate it and turn that into soccer fields for our upward soccer program. And uh, we were doing this in the late spring um, and having grading work done in, in the April and, and uh, May time frame. We were planting grass in, in the May-June time frame. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a soccer season that was going to start in August. Right. And yeah. pretty much everyone around us told us we were crazy. But because there was no way there's going to be grass uh, that would be available and be a good stand of grass for kids to play on it come August. Right. But we uh, went ahead and moved forward and we trusted and we prayed that God would provide. And wouldn't you know, it was every single day in June yeah. it rained. Uh-huh. And I'm, I still think I, I started to go back and find it. But I, I remember at that time hearing a meteorologist say that it was the wettest June on record. Uh, and it probably still is the wettest mm-hmm. June on record. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got more rain uh, than, than we ever had. And it was that that rain that would, it wasn't just cloudy and overcast. It would be sunny and warm all day. It would pour down rain and then it would be sunny again. And uh, those of you who are in farming and, and, and planting, you know that you need two things to grow something. You need the sunlight and you need water. And uh, God gave us both uh, in equal portions uh, in the month of June there. And we had just a wonderful stand of grass that came up. That made a lot of people in the church stand back and say, hey, you know, God meant for this to happen because this was of God. Let me give you an illustration here about the providence of God, how God sees to things beforehand. I remember when I was pastoring in North Carolina, I felt like my ministry there was uh, running to a conclusion. And... I sent a resume, information about myself, to Westside Baptist Church in Chester, and not knowing that they had pretty much uh, uh, almost completely at that time decided to call a person became one of my friends, uh, Mark Chapman, uh, to be the pastor there. And so once they got my resume, obviously they decided Mark was the person that should be their pastor. They'd already were leaning in that direction, getting ready to call him. And so they gave my resume to Liberty Baptist Church. I did not send a resume to Liberty Baptist Church. They gave my resume to Liberty. And so Liberty 
end up uh, coming in the nick of time to save me because I was sort of in a crisis situation at the church in North Carolina. The, yeah. uh, and so anyway, they came in the nick of time, and uh, God just uh, brought me uh, to that place in Chester. I said it was like a wayfarer's lodging place. I was a beaten-up pastor, and those people loved on us. Well, you remember you were a kid mm-hmm. growing up there, and yeah. the hand of God was involved in that. And, you know, I didn't even send a resume to them. That's exactly right. And so I tell a pastor sometimes, I said, look, you feel like uh, your ministry's come to a conclusion at a church. You send out your resume, and it might not be the church that you send a resume to that's going to be the church that's going to call you. But God's going to have his hand, and if he wants to move your resume, he'll move that church somewhere else. That's right. That's right. It'll get delivered to the wrong address. That's right. It'll get delivered to the wrong address. It'll have to be. Yeah, because he's working and he's moving all the time. And so, again, the providence of God, uh, it's something that we should always keep in our mind and we should be relying on, and it should be a wonderful source of contentment for us. So that's the first thing that Paul tells us. The next thing that he tells us is that uh, there is the power of God that's at play and that we need to be mindful of that. Let's look at verse uh, 13. Uh, and verse 13, that's probably, again, one of the the most famous verses out of Philippians. I feel like I've said that in every episode, and I and I've begun to to figure out that Philippians is just full of these great verses. I mean, it's unreal. But uh, verse thirteen says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things through Christ who strengthens me." Notice Paul said all things. He didn't just say the easy things. He didn't just say the fun things. He didn't just say the things that bring me happiness. He said all things. You see, uh, Dad, you talked about this earlier that uh, Paul. Uh, had been poor and he'd been rich. He'd been hungry and he'd been full. Mm-hmm. And he'd uh, weathered uh, good times and he'd weathered bad times. But uh, he had learned, uh, that Paul had learned, that there was power in Christ and that power gave him strength. You see, it's in these times of poverty, hunger, and tribulation that we learn to trust in God. And so I want us to to flip over here, Dad. You know, my favorite book is, is Romans, and there's a section of Scripture here that I think uh, ties in very well. This is, again, Paul writing chapter 5 of Romans, verses 1 through 5. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus through whom also we have access to faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of glory of God. But he says, not only that, so verse 3, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was giving to us. And so um, I love those verses right there because, as I said, when I talked about uh, learning, that God's going to take you through some stuff. Um, You know, the Bible never promises that as a Christian we're going to have a good, easy life. You know, you turn on your your religious broadcasting uh, on your television, you're probably going to find someone who's preaching a prosperity gospel that if you, you know, just find favor with God, that everything in your life is going to turn around. You're going to be rich. You're going to get a new job and you're going to do all these things. And that's not the case. Um, That's not how God works. Uh, But he's going to take you through some of these tough times. He's going to take you through these trials. But through those, we're going to learn that his power is there and his power will provide the strength that we need to get through. Dad, I wish, (laughs) I really wish there was an easier way to learn. Uh, but that's uh, that's how God works, and He's chose to use these tough times in our life to teach us uh, to rely on Him, and that He provides our strength. 
That's exactly right. You know the phrase where he said, I can do all things. All things, uh, a couple of translations add adds the word these, all these things. He's talking yeah. about, you know, uh, either being hungry or, you know, uh, hurting and suffering or abounding. He said, I can do all of these things, these particular things through Christ. Now, that that verse is not saying that, uh, you know, like maybe some athletes quote that verse and, you know, uh, it's not saying that I can I can break these chains or I can yep. I can run out of prison with four four speed. It's talking about all these things about uh, poverty or abundance or riches. In other words, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, God enables you to be able to make it in those circumstances, whatever those circumstances are. Now, a lot of people today, they're preoccupied with their circumstances. Now, are you preoccupied with your circumstances like your your uh, your hurts and your suffering or even your abundance? Or are you preoccupied with your Savior? To quote NASCAR driver Jeff Gordon, either you focus or you end up hitting something really hard. <laughs> either you focus on Jesus or you're going to crash into discontentment. That's exactly right. You know, Dan, I was thinking um, as I was uh, writing my notes um, for our episode today, um, I thought of an illustration that that gets used quite a bit, and I'll be honest with you, I've used it and I've heard you use it before, and it's it's the illustration of a bridge, and um, and as I thought about this, these verses that I'm reading and 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 what God's trying to tell us, I realized that that illustration is actually pretty pretty bad, and it, it's not correct. Um, and the illustration goes as this: we we tell people, particularly when they're going through a hard time, that if you can imagine, particularly where we live, we live in the in a rural area, and we've got these little country roads. And sometimes there'll be a, a bridge that's going over a creek. And uh, that bridge that's going over a creek is not a very structural bridge. And so uh, the highway department will put a sign on on that bridge, and it'll say, uh, wait not to exceed, and it'll give a, a poundage or a tonnage uh, that that bridge can hold. And what people usually say is, you know, it's it's like our life has that sign on us, and God knows uh, just how much we can take, and He's not going to give us more than we can take because we got that sign on us. And as I thought about these verses here, Dad, and, and even thought about the situations that we're going through in our life, I was like, that's not true. That's not true at all. In fact, God is going to give you more than you can handle, but he's going to give you the strength and the power in order to withstand it. And so if your bridge can only hold a thousand pounds, guess what? He's going to put you under 2000 pounds, but he's going to support you the rest of that thousand. And in that process, guess what? You're going to be able to now support 2000 pounds. And the next storm that you go through, it's going to be a 3000 pound storm. And he, you're going to provide 2000 and he's going to provide a thousand. And that's the way that you, you continue to build your strength and you build your faith and you build your trust in Christ is because he's going to test you and he's going to put you through more than what you can handle so that you know that you you can't do it yourself. You need him to do it. Well, uh, I have definitely been one that said that before, and but uh, I've, I've learned to say that uh, underneath that bridge are the everlasting arms. Mm -hmm. And so with Christ's everlasting arms up under us, we can handle anything that comes our way. That's that's exactly right. I think that's a better way of, of putting that. And Ed, uh, this morning, and this may be too much details for our listeners here, but uh, as I was in the shower, uh, a song came to my mind, and I started singing it, and I was like, why am I singing this song? 
And then I, I, I couldn't remember all the words. And so I, I went and looked up the lyrics and I said, okay, God, I understand what you're trying to do here. Uh, the song is Through It All. Yeah. Uh, Through It All. And it's uh, written by Andre uh, Crouch and uh, just a, a wonderful song. I'm going to read you the last verse here. It says, I thank God for the mountains. I thank him for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. And the chorus is, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. And so when I think about God's uh, power, uh, he's going to teach us some things. He's going he's to have us learn about his power because uh, in and of ourselves, we don't fully understand God's power and his strength. And uh, he's going to take us through some things that are going to be tough. They're going to be hard. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we've been through hard things and tough things, Dad, in our life. And um, I dare say God's got more to teach us and we'll probably have more to come to us in the future. But he provides us everything that we need to get through uh, those tough times. And he provides the strength. He provides the power in order to accomplish those. So second thing God, uh, Paul says to us is that we've got the power of God that's at play. And then the final thing, the third thing that he says here is that there is the provision of God, the provision of God. As we look at verses 14 through 19, we see that Paul uh, did not see that this gift, the gift from the church at Philippi, was purely or simply from Philippi. Remember, I said earlier that this was a God-ordained. It was God-orchestrated. So Paul saw this as supply of his needs from heaven. Paul's trust was in the Lord, and he knew that God would provide just as he always had before. He talked about how he had been provided for in the past. You see, God has not promised to supply all of our greeds, but he will supply all of our needs. Mm -hmm. You know, when a child of God is in the will of God, serving uh, for the glory of God, then he will have every need met. And, and it's true, God will provide. And so, Dad, we were talking about those examples. I gave the upward soccer example before of how God provided uh, for us and, and how his, that was a providential thing with us having everything that we needed for soccer. Another example, another program that we have here um, is the Bethlehem Walk. And uh, Bethlehem Walk, I, I guess, has been around for, how, is it 20? It's been around for 19, 18, 19 years. 18, 19 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so th I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. We recreate the town of Bethlehem out there on the soccer fields. I uh, do it around Christmas time. And uh, big production, uh, 150 actors all coming together to really recreate the night that Jesus was born. And a uh, wonderful program. But uh, when when that uh, idea or that uh, that dream was put in, into, into my dad's heart, um, it was late in the year. Um, I, I remember, uh, Dad, you and I were, were driving uh, to Lancaster. My grandfather was in the hospital, uh, and ultimately he ended up passing away there in November. Mm -hmm. And it was so we were in November, and we were still trying to put things together and right. trying to get this uh, this uh, town put together. We needed wood. We needed all these supplies and all these things in order to to, to build this. This was no small undertaking. But what's amazing is that um, everything that we needed was provided. Uh, we needed something called Action Back, which is a, a product that's on the back of carpet that looks kind of like a burlap. It's synthetic, though, so it doesn't uh, rot as easily. And what you know, we had a guy that worked at Mohawk Carpet Company in right. our church, and he's like, you want Action Back? I can get you all the Action Back you want. Yeah. And he came out and dropped off this massive roll of Action Back. We still got some, probably, uh, you know, if not the original roll, the second roll that he got for us right. that we're still using uh, to this very day. 
uh, we had we had to build these walls, two by fours, and and, and construct them, and and so uh, you know for us to to stick build that by hand, uh, you know out out in the parking lot or anything that would took forever. But we had a guy Much, that yeah we had a guy that owned a, a manufactured home business that was just a couple miles away from our church, and he's like bring it over here, and he had table saws and and chop saws and square tables that you know built for or meant for building commercial. Uh, volumes of houses. So we literally built the entire walls in a matter of an hour or two uh, in one evening. And so it's just amazing. Something how, that would how probably took us a month or more to do. Exactly. Yeah. Traditional means. Yeah. I mean, a machine that would cut, what, 10, 12 boards at a time? Yeah. You know? It's yeah. amazing. Cut them all the same length, cut them all square. Uh, you know, all all the power guns and all the, the square, again, square tables. I mean, part of building a wall is making sure that it's square. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have these tables where you put the boards on and it automatically squares everything um, and so that you can go in and, and nail it uh, very quickly. And so it's amazing. And, and I think you you were saying before we got started, it, anything that popped in your mind that you needed, someone it would. It showed up the next day. Showed up the next day. People right. didn't know I was looking for it. And it, someone would say, I brought this uh, by a preacher. I thought maybe you could use it. And I thought to myself, I was just thinking about something like this the day before. Yeah, you know, exactly. It showed up. Yeah. So God provides, uh, provides for all of our needs. Again, he doesn't provide for our greeds. And we gave, you know, some some church examples here, but I can tell you that in my personal life, God has provided. Um, there's been times where I, I needed something. I wasn't sure exactly how it was going to work out. And and God worked it out. Uh, he, he's not going to give you all the riches in the world, or and and, and all these things that prosperity prosperity preachers will tell you. Right. But He definitely will take care of you. I've heard it said said before that God's work done God's way will not lack God's supplies. Uh, that's a, a a great saying there. Well, as Paul closes the body um, of his letter, uh, he does it by saying that the uh, church at Philippi that they were obedient and that uh, obedient to God, and they met His need. And uh, now that they had met his need, God would supply all of their needs according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so, um, again, that's a promise there that we see that that uh, Paul was was giving to to Philippi that the, all their needs are going to be provided. But throughout the Bible, we see the same uh, being given as a general uh, promise to us that He will provide for our needs. He will provide uh, for for what we're standing in need of um, as long as we're working again to glorify Him and we're in His will. Well, Dad, um, you know, as we get ready to wrap this up, I just want to kind of draw us to a close here and say, you know, although um, uh, your circumstances may be tough, uh, they may seem unbearable. Uh, they may seem like uh, this is the worst possible thing that can happen to you. Uh, we can be content, and uh, we just need to cling to God and to remember His providence, His power, and His provision. They're all at play um, and working at all times uh, for us. That's exactly right. And you know what, Dad? Uh, I thought this was a clever way to end here. It says, when we're content, we can rejoice always. That's the the title of our our episodes here for uh, this podcast. Well, this uh, concludes our series, Rejoice Always. And so we hope uh, that this has been a blessing to you. We hope that you've enjoyed uh, this study. We would encourage you to continue to study in God's Word. And uh, we hope that you'll come back and join us next week. And we'll be uh, diving into another topic um, as we continue on in our our podcast here. And so um, hope you have a great week. Hope you, again, dive into God's Word this week. And we'll see you next time. Dad, pray us out of here. Sure. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for blessing us today and guiding us, Lord, and being able to present 
uh, the understanding of these scripture verses, Lord, to our podcast audience. And we pray, oh God, that you would just help us, Lord, to look deep in our souls and ask ourselves, are we really content in the circumstances that we're in? Help us, Lord God, to realize that it's only through you and the power you supply us that we can be content and live in the circumstances we are. And Lord, you change circumstances oftentimes, just like Paul's circumstances was changed, was changed, uh, changed from abundance uh, to need back to abundance. You allow changes to come, Lord. You know all all about us. Help us, God, to rely upon you in whatever circumstances we're in. And Lord, find ourselves uh, trusting you and realizing that you're more than sufficient to meet all our needs. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.